You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 377. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Annika Harrison and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Hello! Hey son, hey son! Where were you guys? I was looking for you last week and there was no no Annika, no Andras. Sorry. I had to call a buddy of ours, Brian, and uh, he did an excellent job as always. But where were you? He did. I was sick. Yeah. I think I never was in that much uh, pain, actually. <laughs> and you have given birth. <laughs> yes, exactly. Ooh, that was yeah. that was the thing. But no, I was I had a throat infection. And of course, it developed on the day of a holiday where everything was closed. So I was was at the doctor's Tuesday morning, first thing in the morning, and she was like, "Oh wow, okay, yeah, here are your antibiotics. <laughs> Please okay. take painkillers every four hours." <laughs> so, but that's not a medical suggestion. That's just what my doctor said to me in my specific case, just to make that clear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, I was in in no state to do a recording. <laughs> Mm. You had no lumps of sugar at home that you could take instead. Like sugar no. pills are very effective, I've heard. No, yeah, or, or like just burning <laughs> yeah, some, some herbs over acupuncture points, right? So mm. Mm. <laughs> no, I yeah. didn't have that either. Mm. <laughs> Magic right. spells could have worked as well. Yeah, stickers yeah. like this. This and these. I was uh, giving birth. No, no, no. I was. <laughs> oh, I congratulations, was... Pontus, oh. uh, Andras. <laughs> Confusion about. <laughs> yeah, I was very confused about the statement. <laughs> yeah, me too. Hashtag. So, um, yeah, I was on my way back to, from the UK, the very country that you recruited your buddy from. Yes. <laughs> for yes. the show. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. um, okay. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. From the UK, from Scotland? or No, we no. didn't go that high up. Uh, we went all the way to London and we were on the way back when the recording should have taken place and it was a hell of a ride mm-hmm. you know it's i don't do i do not recommend it to anyone sitting on a coach for two days just to get to london and back um and for another two days it's it's not for humans it's i don't know <laughs> it's not for humans no i don't think it's for <laughs> any kind of living yeah. organism <laughs> uh, is that an attempt to uh, cut you down your air mileage being more environmentally friendly well it it is definitely more environmentally friendly but it's very tough on everyone sitting on that coach yeah. so it's literally two days just to get there and yeah. uh, since brexit it's even it's it's worse than it used to be so uh, all right so You're back now. I am. And uh, we've been busy. Super, super busy. What about you guys? Mm, yes, I'm very busy. I'm working. Are uh, you? Yes, very strangely. I'm not used to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can really get used to not, not being at work, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There is something I can still not get used to, though. And it's a very, very sad news. We had already known that. Uh, at the time of last week's recording, but I couldn't be here. So I just want to mention that a very important person close to our hearts at the Hungarian Skeptic Society died very unexpectedly um, at the age of 74. Mm. And his name was, yeah, mm. his name was uh, Ishvan Vago. 
And he was not only one of the fathers of the Hungarian skeptic movement, because he was there when we we uh, launched the Hungarian Skeptic Society. He was also one of the, the, the most iconic figures of Hungarian television. Mm. So he was he was a great TV personality. He's often referred to as the master of uh, quiz. So he did some uh, quiz shows very well, and uh, and he started his career as a pharmaceutical chemical engineer. And in 1976, he entered uh, a competition called In Search of a Reporter. And since then, he's been on TV almost constantly. A couple of years ago, he he left the Hungarian skeptics for dealing mostly with politics. And since then, we we were in and out of touch for a couple of years. And the shocking thing was that when we had this big hubbub about the Flat Earth Awards of these years. I think I mentioned it on one of the earlier shows, mm. uh, that it was very big coverage that we got, but there was a lot of very harsh criticism as well. And he was included in that. So people from from news outlets close to the government were trying to make the connection that we are still attached to Istvan Vagel, and as a result, they made us sound like we were a political organization as opposed to being a, a pro-science organization. Mm. And uh, I contacted him because of that, um, asking him if he, he was okay and how he took this these hits. And the last message he sent to me was, you know what, we're going to survive this. <laughs> you and no. I as well. And two days later, he was dead. So, uh, yeah, I was absolutely shocked. And he was like, for a, for a while, he was like a bit of a mentor to me as well in, in my early years of being a skeptic. So even though the whole country is shocked, I'm personally shocked as well mm -hmm. about, about that. Yeah, that's very sad news. Sorry yeah. for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but he he was a regular at the earlier, you know, the skeptical gatherings at my hometown, out of which the whole skeptical movement really grew up. So those gatherings were very important, and they mm -hmm. they still could be. So yeah, yeah. I want to talk about a, a different kind of gathering, <laughs> mm -hmm. also maybe to bring the mood back up a bit. Um, okay, I've got. <laughs> two cool events happening in May around the skeptical scene, so to say. One is SkepCon that I mentioned before. Um, so I just want to very quickly say um, it's from the 18th to the 20th of May in Frankfurt, and it will be cool. So uh, <laughs> I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to it. It will also be my first attempt of doing a German presentation at a SkepCon. Uh, I did one in German um, at a Skeptics in the Pub once, but I never did a SkepCon before, so pretty happily excited about that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm just um, happy to meet people, because we didn't have a SkepCon for quite some time, as last year's SkepCon was gobbled up by ESC, so to say. <laughs> gobble, gobble. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just excited for it to happen. And the weekend after, there will be a WTF festival. So Wissenschaft trifft Freundschaft, Science Meets Friendship, will be on the 26th and 27th of May in Leipzig. Mm. And there will also mm. be really cool 
presentations there from Lydia Benecke, for example, Bernd Harder, Holm Hümmler. Annika Harrison? No, no, I won't be there. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm not always just ra- like... Uh, <laughs> I'm shocked to hear that they can have such a <laughs> gathering without you. Yes, me too. <laughs> no, but... Um, here you don't not only have uh, scientists, you also have other people that are also really cool, like um, writers, for example, musicians, and yeah, you still you we still have presentations there. So I'm actually a bit sad I won't go because I would love to go. Um, it it it's really cool, and I can only recommend it. Mm, sounds great. So yeah, that's what will happen in May. And uh, there is something else that has happened already, and it was in May. Uh, Last weekend, actually, Mm -hmm. we did a gathering in uh, one of the southernmost cities of Hungary. It's a university city called Seged. And uh, we did an all-day skeptics meeting. And it was really enjoyable. The, the very diverse list of uh, of talks from dietary recommendations to the COVID pandemic and uh, how to approach the topic of gender from a scientific point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all kinds of different uh, talks. I gave a talk on uh, the renaissance of uh, UFOs as of late. And uh, luckily, and I was very happy to to see him again because uh, we hadn't met for a long, long time since uh, I took over from him as the president of the Hungarian skeptics. Gabor Roshko was there as well. And uh, Gabor gave a a very interesting talk about how he played around a little bit with uh, ChatGPT trying to prove that it is the greatest bullshit machine ever (laughs) made for humanity. (laughs) And um, apart from being a very good speaker and the topic very, very important these days, it was good to see him again. He's still a good friend of mine. And we commemorated uh, Ishvan Vago as well together. So we... Hmm. All of all of us there, and there were about sixty people attending the event, which was a little bit fewer than we we had expected. But I think it was a very useful kind of uh, gathering, anyway. Mm. Anyhow, so uh, yeah. All right, cool. Very so cool. what happens? What's the latest with uh, VOF, Pontus? Well, I this is a news flash. I have rage quit. I am no longer the president of the Swedish skeptic. I saw that. I saw that what on Facebook. <laughs> what? 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 I didn't. I, was really I, like, I wasn't what? on Facebook. No, I, well, I, I'm kidding, of course. No, I'm, I didn't rage quit. I asked to be relieved because I've been uh, the president for five years, almost five years, and I felt that. I was running a little bit out of steam, and also I don't think anybody should monopolize such a position for too long. So I'm still on yeah. the board, and my wonderful ex-vice president, Lina Tebla, is now the president of the Swedish Skeptics, and I expect fantastic work from her. I've already seen her. She's been on the board for almost as long as I have, and uh, it's it's just fine. We have a new board, and I mm-hmm. have a awesome. different position on the board, but we're all friends, and uh, it's a great team, I must say. It's a great mm-hmm. team. It's been extended a little bit now, so now it's 13 of us. So uh, we were saying we have to do a photo shoot of us as The Last Supper, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> or I'll be dressed Judas. up as I'll be okay. Judas, I think. Or Judas, dressed up nah. as fairies. 
Oh that yeah, could also could, work. Could, could oh. be, could be. We could do any, <laughs> all kinds of things. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's been good. I've been on the board since 2014, I believe. So it's almost it's coming up on 10 years. Mm. And uh, it's good to have it. I'm so happy that there's so many other good people on the board and have been for a while. And now it's even better. We have good diversity, six women and seven men. So the men are still in majority, but it's almost there. We have ages old from uh, from 34 to 67. So we have an age diversity as well. Mm-hmm. We have now three former presidents on board including myself. So uh, very, very qualified people, good geographical spread. I checked this from Malmö, where I sit in the very south of Sweden, to the city of Umeå in the north of Sweden, where we have one board member. It is 1,250 kilometers if you want to drive. Wow. That's over 21 hours. Sweden is a long, long, long country if you go up (laughs) to the up very north. And Umeå is not even where where Sweden ends, but it's up there. So I once read if you like turn around Sweden on on its like most southern points, you end like somewhere in Spain or whatever. Like yeah. if you would <laughs> I, I think you end up in Rome if you do it correctly. Don't try this at home, boys and girls. It's it's, a, yeah. it's no, not, not worth with, it, but it's yeah. a long way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And but, so th- this happened now during the past weekend. We had a great meeting. Not mm. too many people. I, I think it maybe is thirty-five or so. But uh, there were people coming from all over the country, and uh, we had good guests. Or everything was recorded and will be up on the on the Swedish Skeptics uh, YouTube channel eventually. And among the guests, we had one person that we have interviewed on the show, namely Brian Deere, who was oh. and he is, still is the journalist who brought down Andrew Wakefield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, there was a lot of criticism against Andrew Wakefield before, but Brian really did a fantastic job in documenting and finding out some deep digging, finding out how fr- how fraudulent the research was. It wasn't just dishonest or so. It was fraudulent. It was done for money. It was th- all kinds of scandals involved in that. Yeah. And he, of course, wrote a very good book about the whole thing called The Doctor Who Fooled the World. So he came over and talked to us about that. We we did interview him, as I said, and that was on episode 238. Just, that was just the day before the book was published. So yeah. a couple, couple of years ago now. Mm-hmm. And so people can go back, listeners can go back and uh, check it out if you want to. It's still online, of course, the interview we did then. We did also record this interview. And of course, it was in English. Uh, we will see. Maybe we can do uh, maybe snippets of it or maybe release the whole thing. We haven't decided yet for also mm-hmm. for the ESP listeners somehow. Maybe we'll do something special for the patrons. Uh, we have never done that before, so why not? So you should be a patron in <laughs> just to get on the that. <laughs> Go to patreon.com slash the ESP and sign up. That would be uh, great for other reasons as well. So, and we had a quiz. We had a lot. We had, uh, of course, Swedish speakers. We had, but it's too long to get into. It was a great weekend, and I'm very, very happy for the future and looking forward to working with the new board. 
and probably a little bit relieved as well because of not having all that weight on your shoulders with all the responsibility that comes with being the president of the organization. Yeah, yeah, so, there's a little bit of that because as a, as the president, you cannot ignore any problem, big or small. Yeah, you yeah. have to at least delegate it to somebody, right? Mm-hmm. You, but but as, yeah, a no, yeah. as an ordinary board member, you can sometimes take a step back and say, okay, somebody else will have to fix that. <laughs> and, yeah. and that is... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That, that's go- I'm going to enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you deserve it very well. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I don't know, congratulations or something? Yes, thank <laughs> you, thank you. I feel, I feel <laughs> that's in order. Yes, but we do have a show uh, to deliver here, so uh, I suggest we move on to the first part of the show that is usually well after the greeting session that we call this week in skeptical history or twish yeah i don't want to talk about this too much it's just something that i really want to mention it's uh, the anniversary on the 12th of may which is the day this episode goes out it marks the anniversary of the founding of the most prestigious university of Poland, the Jagiellonian University. And I'm, I'm going to try and make an attempt to pronounce it Ooh. as it should be. So, Universitet Jagiellonski Krakow. Perfect. Although I don't speak Polish, so I don't know. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> but it I don't either impressive as, to me. <laughs> I don't either, but we do know for a fact that we have several listeners from Poland. We do. So hi Adam. If you guys, hi Adam, and <laughs> hopefully others. Please, if you feel like sending us an audio file with the proper pronunciation, uh, you're more than welcome to do so, and we are happy to run it on the show. Anyhow, so this is one of the oldest universities in the world still in operation. So it's, uh, I think it's the 30th oldest university in continuous operation in the world. So it was founded in 1364 by decree of King Casimir III, also known as King Casimir the Great, uh, who is not only the king of Poland, but also the king of Ruthenia. And, uh, well, he was ruler of a large country. The university is very famous for having had the some of the greatest names in science and politics as alumni. One of them being King John III, also known as Sobieski, John Sobieski. Pope John Paul II was among the alumni as well. But one of the greatest scientists that have ever lived, a certain Nicolaus Copernicus, was mm. A Never student of, of the university. Never heard of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, the university still has a manuscript of The Revolutionibus by Nicolaus Copernicus. And um, it was back then, even in the 14th century and most of the 15th and 16th century, one of the most important center of European culture and European science in uh, the center of Europe, housing a lot of students from all over the the area, all all over Europe. And when it was founded, it only had three faculties, but now it has 
many, many, many different faculties. I think it has seven or eight, but it also has like almost 40,000 students. So it's still considered one of the greatest universities in Europe. And the 12th of May marks the 659th anniversary of the founding of the university. That's a while. Yeah, that's a while ago, yes. (laughs) An important center of thought in Europe. Speaking of which, uh, now that I mentioned Pope John Paul II, I'm wondering if Pontus has something to poke the Pope for. The current one, of course. No, actually, I will give him a pass this week as well. Uh, Yeah, Uh, I'll, I'll save it for something really nasty, juicy coming up (laughs) (laughs) well it's an association that i don't necessarily want to make in my mind when it comes to pope uh never mind well we are moving on then to the news And I'd like to give you the good news from the WHO, the World Health Organization, because a couple of days ago they held a meeting where the committee advised the director general that the pandemic is no longer an ongoing health issue of global concern. So uh, it's now being considered like an ongoing health issue that has to be taken care of, that has to be dealt with. But uh, now we can officially say that the global COVID-19 pandemic is officially over. It it has become something of a long-term concern, like it is with uh, the, uh, the flu, with influenza which is in a way very unfortunate. But the, the reason why they declared this was that the rate of hospitalizations and in- intensive care unit admissions has been in the decline for a while and the COVID-19 related deaths as well. So this is a welcome development of the situation and we we hope not to see this emerge again. However, it's almost certain that something of a similar kind will pop its ugly head up sooner or later. We hope it's later rather than sooner. Yeah, I'm sure there are people out there now saying, see, it was all fake all along. It wasn't anything to be worried about. How come it's suddenly not a problem anymore? Blah, blah, blah. It's all fake. Well, it wasn't. (laughs) Yeah, tell it to those who died, you know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it wasn't. But now it has come to that stage that it's relatively mild now. Other good news is that, all depending on where you stand, (laughs) but there is a cold medicine that is not allowed to advertise in a certain way anymore. And we talked about that before. Actually, we talked about this twice because I talked about it and then we had Ralf Neugebauer on the show and he also talked about it because he is a judge and he... Yeah, like, Ralf, if you're listening to this and I'm uh, butchering it, then you can, of course, come back (laughs) and explain it again. But as far as I understood, the court now actually said that's how it is. They are not allowed to advertise anymore that they help quickly uh, reduce the intensity of typical cold symptoms. Mm. Did you mention the name of the drug? No, I didn't. And that's (laughs) Meditonsin. Meditonsin. Yeah, so Meditonsin in German. Didn't we talk about that when we are doing the show, the live recording in Australia? That too, yes. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think mm. maybe we talked about it three times. Yes. So this is just an update. And okay. that is that it's actually now legally committed, so to say, that, yeah, Meditonson is not allowed to advertise that anymore. And that, of course, marks a new low in homeopathy research and uh, in um, homeopathy standing in German society. So, so what is the reason for them not being allowed to advertise the statements? I, I, I'm guessing those are statements of like medical indications of what they could be used for, right? Yes, because they said they will re would reduce intensity, as I said, like I'm quoting, the intensity of typical cold symptoms or flu symptoms. And the way they advertised it, the customer protection uh, agency, they were actually the ones that took it to court of uh, Northern Westphalia. They said, huh, well, that now people m would think that if you take Meditonsin, you will successfully heal your cold with it. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. And they said, that's not fair. That's not good. And uh, Meditonsin is not allowed to advertise like that anymore. Mm -hmm. ah, good, good, good. Yeah, we of course know that homeopathy doesn't work against anything. So that you, of course you can allow, you should be allowed to sell sugar pills, I guess. But then it should say that on the label: non-affected, non-affected, non-effective, non-working <laughs> bullshit sugar pills. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just placebo, mm. placebo. <laughs> yes, yeah. But people have a lot of faith in the placebo effect as well, and that's very debated. If it, I mean. A placebo effect. Well, we'll get into that another time, I guess. But, okay, total change of uh, subject now then. I am going to talk about Russia and the propaganda. Russian propaganda. Russian propaganda. <laughs> we, we all know, or at least we say we know, that Russia is spreading misinformation abroad or mm -hmm. with us in Europe, of course. Yeah. And in other places too, naturally. Putin has a lot to gain from this propaganda and he's trying to introduce conflict between EU nations and within NATO because, of course, he wants to make us fight each other rather than him. But it is, it's one thing to say that everybody knows that this is happening and there's another thing to actually prove it. And that is difficult. But recently, a recently leaked document from the Russian intelligence service shows clear discussions on how the burning of the Quran in Sweden, for instance, and we talked about this uh, on the show before, served as an inspiration for them to stage and encourage similar demonstrations across Europe. And it's not just this document. There is a UK research organization called Dossier Center, and they teamed up with international news providers from France, Germany, Sweden, Denmark, and Norway to collaborate about looking into a series of demonstrations in Europe to see if they could find any evidence for, of Russian infiltration. And even if their results perhaps wouldn't be enough to convict anybody in court, it's quite clear that it is happening. In 10 different demonstrations, they found indications that the Russian agents... and. When I say Russian agents, I don't mean spies, but, you know, Russian actors, if you will, mm -hmm. were involved. They studied photos on social media and they found a clear ring of actors collaborating to infiltrate these demonstrations. They also found photos that proved 
that the same people carrying the same handwritten signs showed up at several different supposedly independent local manifestations. Uh, One day they were in Paris, the next day the same people showed up in Madrid. And what they do is they take an opportunity when there is a demonstration with lots of people and they they put themselves in front of that with their signs and then they have a photo of that and it looks like they're part of a mass demonstration about how Ukraine is full of Nazis or things like that. And um, maybe they're just three or four people. These researchers used social media to see if they could find certain social media accounts where this was happening. And one of the Facebook accounts that they did identify belongs to a man of North African origin who has been studying in St. Petersburg for the past few years. He has joined a series of Facebook groups with job advertisements offering between 80 and 100 euros to people who can help taking these pictures that I talked about in different cities. Anyway, this guy, they got hold of him and actually called him up on phone. And then he claimed that his Facebook account had been hacked for some time. It wasn't at all him sharing all these things. But mysteriously, just after the phone call was over, all his social media accounts were deleted. So uh, I wonder how he could do that if somebody else had hacked it. Uh, hmm. So in conclusion, we can be very sure that this is happening. And it's not surprising, but it's also better to have some proof uh, than just assuming that uh, it is true. Wow. My question is always when I hear about this is, what can we do to stop it? It's hard. It's, it is, and it, it, it looks almost impossible. And with things, the the emerging technologies that we see and with the bullshit factory I mentioned, mentioned to you earlier, mm-hmm. it's going to be more and more difficult to weed out the stuff that has been deliberately put out there to confuse people. Yeah, but one thing we can do is things like in, in investigations like this to show that it is happening. So create an awareness about it. But you can't really stop it because... People are yes, should but- be also allowed to say things on on social media. Freedom of speech is important, and uh, it isn't. Yeah, even if some people um, abuse it. Yeah, and it, it's the divisions that I'm worried about as well. Obviously, mm. this kind of investigation will only interest people who already have a kind of a feeling that this is going on, and those who are in support of. Uh, Russian propaganda or, or they, they eat it all up, well, they will not believe that this is going on. Uh, so that's that's what I'm really worried about. But yep. we could be worried about people in important positions, well, propagating weird stuff like homeopathy and um, complementary and so-called complementary and alternative medicine scam, as uh, Edzard Ernst likes to call it. <laughs> well, This is what's happening at the moment in the royal household, the royal household being the royal household of the United Kingdom. And it's not a new thing. It's just been in the focus of interest because of the coronation that took place last weekend. So it's official now. The ceremonial part has been done as well. So the alternative king is now officially crowned. And by the alternative king, we are not 
talking about some kind of a political alternative, we are referring back to his clashes with Edzard Ernst, as a result of which uh, Edzard wrote a book with the title The Alternative Prince. It's a biography of uh, the then Prince Charles. Just occurred to me that this is also a scam, a so-called alternative monarch. Wow! Yes, <laughs> so-called alternative I can play monarch. that game too. <laughs> I love it. Okay, yeah, that's a good one, and I think we should use it. But the alternative monarch, the so-called alternative monarch, unfortunately comes with a weird kind of household and a, we- a weird list of people in the household. For example, obviously there is a leading physician in the royal household, that is the medical ha- part of the household, and uh, the medical household weirdly includes a couple of very interesting roles like obviously the physician to the king the sergeant surgeon apothecaries to the king but there is one among them that is the occultist to the king no did you know there is such a position no how can i apply where do i sign up (laughs) well i do not know that but it's been there as part of the medical household, the occultist to the king. That is ridiculous, but never mind. (laughs) What is also ridiculous is that since September 2022, this is why I I started out by mentioning that it's not a new thing. It's been going on for a couple of months. Obviously, when he rose to the position of being a king, he changed the household and the leader of the medical household used to be Sir Hugh Thomas, uh, but now it's Michael Dixon. Now, why Michael Dixon is of interest to skeptics is because he's a great supporter and propagator of so-called complementary and alternative medicine. Yeah. Uh, including homeopathy, including other kinds of alternative medicine. And he calls it complementary. He calls it holistic. And uh, he wrote a couple of uh, books as and articles as well on the matter. So he is definitely in support of alternative medicine. And this position of his comes with a lot of respect and a lot of esteem as well. So that gives extra credibility to all the nonsensical things that he says about medicine. We had already known that when we saw Prince Charles, the then Prince Charles, marching towards the throne, right? That he was going to be propagating all that nonsense. But when it comes to Michael Dixon, we have to mention that he was the medical director of one of the foundations established and run by the then prince, the Prince's Foundation for Integrated he- Integrated Health, and I don't I thought know. I recognized the name. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, it closed in 2010 because there was a scandal, and the finance director was arrested for stealing a lot of money, like a quarter of a million pounds, from the organization. So I'm not saying that it marked all of them involved in it, but, uh, well, it's not necessarily considered a good omen. Um, (laughs) No, it doesn't inspire uh, a lot of confidence in the man. No, (laughs) no. no. This is the situation currently in the royal household, and I don't know who the occultist of the king currently is, but I would really love to hear (laughs) what he has to say about any kind of matter. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) The occultist just reminds me so much of H.P. Lovecraft. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. just giggling my own head. <laughs> Craziness. Yeah, I've got another good kind of news item. Good. And that's something that I prophesied in Australia with my mind. <laughs> um, Very good. Oh, did you consult an occultist of some sort? <laughs> yes, I did. No, um, I said in Australia on my presentation about birth medicine and birth woo, <laughs> that yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, in Germany, midwives are um, going to university now. So like starting in 2020, uh, you have to go to university to become a midwife. Have a real education. How about that? <laughs> yeah. So there's an <laughs> academization or like, yeah, they're getting more academized, so to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and what that led to, or I would guess what that led to, is that a few days ago, the German Association for Midwifery distanced themselves from homeopathy. Good for them. Yes. It's a sensible thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> and what they say, it's like, yes, they think people giving birth should make the decision in an informed way. And that there's also no evidence for homeopathy in birth medicine or right. like mm -hmm. no evidence helping that it helps. So, yeah, I found that a really good development. And um, yeah, more about that you can read in Der Spiegel of uh, 6th of May, so of last Saturday. It's, it's a very good article. It was uh, written by Hinek Feldwisch-Trentrup. Uh, he's one of the people who founded Medwatch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he's not an unknown name. <laughs> so I can only recommend this, this article. It was a really good report. It's called Globuli Abgeburt. Um, globules, like sugar pills from birth. <laughs> And of course, people who speak German um, and have read this article can also come to Frankfurt to see my presentation about um, also <laughs> kind of going into that uh, topic. Mm. Very good. It's interesting that the last episode was called, what would you call it? German nonsense? So much German nonsense. Uh, yeah. And now you are telling us that a lot of the German nonsense is going away. Good. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I take credit. I'm saving, I'm saving the German face. <laughs> All right. Well, um, not so good news. Also from the UK. Well, what do we expect with the royal medical household being led by a homeopath? Yeah, unfortunately, since uh, the COVID-19 pandemic hit, the whole country was in a different state when it came to dealing with other diseases. And uh, one of these diseases is measles. And we know that measles had been, before the pandemic, it had been a big issue all over Europe, including the United Kingdom, because uh, vaccine uptake was not as high. And one of the reasons why it might have been is that it was done through the MMR vaccine, the measles, mumps and rubella combined vaccine, that was played against by none other than Andrew Wakefield and his uh, team. But the pandemic did a lot of damage to the vaccine uptakes as well. So currently, the United Kingdom is lagging behind, and especially England, where when it comes to the two doses that are the recommended target for everyone, well, it's really low. For children aged five years, is 85%. 
as opposed to the 95% that is recommended by the World Health Organization to maintain a proper coverage and probably achieve elimination of the disease. And not only that, but obviously while people were staying home, a lot of diseases were not spreading that fast including measles. So in 2021, there were two measles cases reported in the whole of the country. But in 2022, there were 54 cases altogether throughout the year. But between January 1st and the 20th of April this year, there have already been 49 cases. Mm. So mm. that means we are looking at the, at the double to 2022. So yeah. this is going to be a big big health concern well it doesn't sound that much but uh, the rate of change is very alarming so yeah, yeah. we have to be on the lookout and people have to get back to their vaccination schedules and please nobody should listen to the crackpots that say that it's 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 unsafe and it causes autism and and the like because it, we know for a fact that it doesn't but it causes vaccinated, uh, not vaccinated, of course it causes vaccinated <laughs> of course people. It vac <laughs> vaccination causes vaccinated people. Vaccinated people. Um, it causes immunized people against measles, mumps and rubella, which is very important. Yeah. Mm. That, no, it's not to say I told you so, but not just me. Everybody could have told you so. And we did bring it up during the pandemic. I know that I've said it several times over the yeah. last couple of years. We will see a new measles epidemic in Europe. And uh, it's not that I have magical powers and I can see the future. It's not even that I have any medical competence. <laughs> it's just how these things work. And we saw it in 2016 and 2017 when measles cases went through the roof. And it's like you said, it's, you know, if it's doubling... You double mm. from a couple to a few more, and then, but then suddenly you're doubling from 1,000 to 2,000 to 4,000 to 8,000, and it yes, really exactly. gets out of hand. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Mm. All right. Okay. That's uh, bad news. We'll have to dig up our old uh, statistics about measles again, and maybe we have to make it a recurring theme of this podcast, like we did way back yeah. Uh, yeah, we four used to five do that. years ago. Yeah. In the meanwhile, we have other things to worry about. <laughs> so, sorry, this is not good news. But this is interesting news. The University of Gothenburg has published a study about the spread of paranormal beliefs in Sweden. They wanted to see how common these beliefs were in Sweden. Uh, by the way, we in the VOF, the Swedish Skeptics, we have looked into this twice in 2015 and 2021. And in this, what we call the VOF investigation, that is available online as well. And I went back to look at that to refresh my memory. In 2021, 25% in our survey believed in paranormal phenomena. And we define that as, quote, supernatural events that cannot be explained by science, end quote. Mm -hmm. This new investigation from Gothenburg is a little bit different because they wanted to look more into detail. They included 26,250 people between the ages 16 and 90 in their study. And they asked six questions about the paranormal. I'll get back to one thing, though, because I'm not altogether happy with the actual questions. They could have been worded a little bit better, but I'll save that for a little bit later. 
So all the questions, the six questions, started with the phrase, quote, I believe that today there are people that can, end quote. And then there are six different statements. Mm-hmm. And the first one is that I believe that there are people that can transfer energy using their hands to cure diseases. So this is healing with your hands, really. And 14% of the Swedish population said yes, that that is possible. (laughs) That is actually a slight increase compared to, we asked almost exactly the same question in 2021, and our result was 10%. But of course, it's within the margin of errors, of course. What's interesting is that it was very different between women and men. Among women, it was 20%, and men only 8% that believed in this kind of healing. The other question was if you could predict another's future by interpreting the movement of the stars. That's just a fancy way of saying, do you believe in astrology? 15% (laughs) did. That's also higher than we. the answer we got in 2021 was 8%. And again here in the new study, it's 22% for women and 7% for men. So there's a difference. Mm -hmm. Then they asked about if you can predict the future using tarot cards, runes, or similar means, as they worded it. 18% believe that was possible. 26 of the women and 9 of the men, 9% for the men. We didn't ask that any question that you could compare. So uh, in, in 2021, so I have nothing to compare with. There was one question. There are people that can remember things that have happened in a previous life. We didn't ask that question in 2021. Either 20% of the Swedish population believe that that's possible. Which means (laughs) at least 20% of the people in Sweden believe in some some kind of reincarnation. That's the only thing I can make it up. Probably more. It's just twenty yeah. percent uh, who believes that you can actually remember. Remember it, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You could be, you could believe in reincarnation, but you can't remember it as well. Here, it was even worse uh, for women. Twenty nine percent believe of the women believed in this, Ooh. and eleven percent of the men. And the next question, I'm not very happy about. It said, "I believe that there are people that can speak to dead people." I, everybody can speak yeah, to dead people. The question ask. is to get answers. <laughs> <laughs> that is the, that's hard. Like I can even so, speak to stones, you know. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, twenty-one percent said yes. Thirty percent of the women and eleven percent of the men. That's almost double from the VOF investigation. We only got thirteen percent that believed in that, but we worded it a little bit differently, and uh, not just speak to dead. I don't know if people are. I don't know if it's in the question or what. The last question is, I believe that there are people that can perceive things through a sixth sense, that's hard to say, sixth sense, which the Ah. other senses cannot do, end quote. That's a really messed up question, but I'm I'm quoting it word for word. I I don't like that at all. It's very (laughs) confusingly put. First of all, why do you promote this uh, fact, this myth, I should say, that we only have five senses? They even <laughs> list them in, in the document here, so saying there's sight, hearing, smell, taste, and physical sensation. Or what about balance, pain, cold, heat, etc.? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's as important for the results of the study, but it's a crazy question. But they also got a lot, 33% 
believed that you can perceive things through a sixth sense which the other senses cannot do which is a terrible terrible sentence i i i can't even 44% of the women said yes and yes. Um, 21% of the men so i've already went it so i don't like this study they spent a lot of money i'm sure 26000 people that's a huge study mm-hmm. and then they had they sort of messed up the questions and had a lot of other stuff there anyway to end this, the only thing you can draw, I think, as a conclusion from this is that people believe in paranormal phenomena much more than I thought they do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we have more work to do, folks. We skeptics. Yeah. Our yeah. job is far from done. <laughs> well, since all the questions started with uh, I believe, yeah. uh, there's one thing that comes to mind and it's very fitting, I think. I believe that children are a future. <laughs> Teach them well and let them lead the way. Yeah. Very good. I mean, <laughs> education, education, education. That is what we need to focus on. Yeah. Is, yes. Instead of spreading nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. Yeah. And curriculums. <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's right. All right, so thank you very much. Uh, I think it's time for us to find out who's been really wrong lately. Hmm. Yes, and this time it's someone who is really, really wrong. It's actually very tragic. Um, There has been a girl, 14 years old, and she had a tumor. So far, so already tragic. The thing is, in February, she was brought to hospital and died a few days later. Where was this? That was in Austria. The thing is that the hospital actually called the police because they said this tumor hasn't been treated right. And you might guess what what happened. Last year, she got diagnosed with cancer and the parents, instead of actually going to some screening like MRT and chemotherapy and like actual treatments, they decided with the daughter, uh, they decided for an alternative treatment. Uh. Yes, and she's dead now. Like she she had half a year knowing that, but yeah, she's she's dead. You know, um, that's really tragic. We we have to though, just to be fair, say that we don't know that she would have survived if she had gotten the real treatment. We don't know. We don't but know. But at the least she would yes. have had a chance then. Yeah, probably why they they called the police in the yes. first place. Yeah. Yes. So um, like yeah. we we can't say how long she would have lived, but they they basically took away any chance to yeah. live a bit longer. Mm. Yeah. So and I have to say, not only do the parents that are probably also grieving right now. So not only they get my prize for being really wrong, but also people like healing practitioners or whoever did that, that treat a 14-year-old girl who is who has cancer with alternative treatments. Mm. Mm. They are also very, very wrong. So for treating cancer patients with treatments that are not effective... And for deciding against science and evidence-based medicine, the parents, but also those who treated her, received this week's prize for being really wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that uh, they are grieving now, Mm -hmm. of course. But the question is if they realize what they've done or they think that they did the right thing, people are very good at rationalizing these things and you don't want to 
take that guilt on you. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just tragic all around. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah, and what's really outrageous is how the practitioners who do these things, they do not realize how much responsibility they have. The question is, will there be any legal <laughs> repercussions for the alternative practitioner that advised them to do this? It should be. There should be, yeah. This should be criminal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So, and, and I know that there were, for example, in the Netherlands, there were people who were got taken in front of the court for that. Yeah. So... Mm. Yeah, well, we'll we'll just stay on the case, so to say, and give updates when they occur. Yeah, yeah, we should keep an eye mm-hmm. out for that. All right, thank you very much, Annika. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of the show. But before we go, I'd like to remind our listeners to the call that we made for things that are happening in your countries. So there are two things that we would like to initiate, and that is uh, word of the week and who's quacking. So word of the week refers to something in your native language that we don't necessarily hear about, and it has a special meaning to skeptics and those in support of science and scientific thinking, but it doesn't translate just like that. So it's it's not a direct translation necessary of an english word or the other way around yeah so, but even, uh, even if it does it, it could be fun to hear if you have yes. a funny word for homeopathy yeah. or something <laughs> yeah, in yeah. your language yeah, yeah it would be fun to hear what you call it like, like uh, example in germany they don't call it sugar pills they call it globally yeah that, that, that would qualify for mm-hmm. word of the week yes. really <laughs> Yeah, we call them sugar pills, but even even if it's the same thing, in Hungarian it sounds like cukorgoyocskák. So that is sugar pills, like <laughs> like sh- sugar sugar rounds, little sugar rounds, uh, sugar balls. We are interested in hearing all these words in your native language, yeah. dear listeners. So please do send us those words with you recording them. Don't worry about the quality. Just send it our way to info at the ESP.eu. And the other thing is who's quacking. Uh, so if you have a famous, popular peddler of pseudoscientific claims or quackery in your country, please let us know about them. And if you have a recording of them saying something very stupid in your native language, of course, please do send it our way with preferably a translation of what is being said. But we would like to hear about them. We would like to know, we would like to to draw a picture to all our listeners about what's going on in Europe with regards to quacks spreading their nonsense okay so uh yeah that that would be who's quacking the other one is word of the week with that out of the way i would like to invite you Anika, to finish the show with a quote yes and this quote is again short and sweet because i like short and sweet quotes (laughs) it's by francis bacon english physicist Mm, bacon yeah, mm, tasty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> English, English physicist and lawyer. He was also partway responsible for the advancement of the scientific method. He was born 1561 and died 1626. And the quote is, We rise to great heights by a winding staircase of small steps. 
Ooh, yeah. And I thought... Well, that is science, yeah. With the, with the two, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's with science, but also, for example, with the reputation of homeopathy in German society. Hmm. Like small steps, hmm. but we are, we are like so much further than we were um, before Information Network Homeopathy was founded, for example. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, good quote. Thank like you. It. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. And indeed, thank you to both of you, Annika and Pontus. Thank you. Thank you. It's been fun to get together again and do the show the three of with us. all three of us <laughs> present. I'm happy you showed up. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much for allowing us in. And I'd like to thank our, our listeners for tuning in as well. Please keep doing so. And until next week, goodbye. Tschüss. Hello. Wieslat. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesb.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast.eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe The, well, more than uh, 600th and if we're 606, uh, 50, <laughs> sorry. Do your man. Sorry. You, I'm it not marks, helping. You have to I'm do this not, on your own. It's just if, I'm, you. if I'm not mistaken, uh, the 12th of May. Um, and now we come to what's... Where what, was this? In February this year. In, uh, in Graz, Where? in uh, Switzerland. Um, in, well, so, Graz is in yeah, Austria. That's why I was... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, sorry. That was me. So, um, so in- can you just answer that question and I'll try yes, to edit yes, yes. this? So just pretend that Anders asked, where was this? Mm-hmm. That was in Austria. Pontos. Mm-hmm. Pontos.